Hello, Internet. Mike and Andy here with uh, a new episode of the Vox podcast. I want to remind you why we call it Vox. Um, besides the fact that it's a cool Latin word, uh, it means voice. And um, I'm of the conclusion that, that uh, God's voice through Jesus is most clearly on display. And uh, I, I think that, at least in my journey, uh, it's easy to lose Jesus right in the middle of Christianity. It's easy to lose Jesus right in the midst of the Bible. It's easy to lose Jesus right in the middle of the religion that supposedly bears his name. And, and particularly as we talk about cultural issues and how Jesus may or may not respond, to me, uh, immersing ourselves in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels that kind of bear his voice, uh, I think is, is more important than ever. So, so Vox is Latin for voice, and we feel like God has spoken, and we're just adding uh, our two cents um, and in a very small little level about what he has said. Um, uh, Mighty Ducks, what's going on? We're on, we're on the down. Okay, shocking. All right, enough about that. I think, I think our, uh, our sweet podcast audience got enough of your Mighty Ducks uh, play, playing that horrible song. Last episode, that was ridiculous. Um, uh, but I, I've got a couple of, we've got a friend coming in named Bonnie. Bonnie's on her way in. And we're going to talk about something other than sexuality today, which, holy cow, shocking. There's other things in the world to there talk is. about. There uh, is. Unbelievable. So so we're going to talk about uh, grief and loss and lament and why the Christian community is so uncomfortable with those sorts of things. And Bonnie... Uh, we're going to hear a bit from her and her story, and uh, we're waiting on her. But uh, per usual, we have some pretty pretty tough cultural topics to discuss before she gets here. Before, you know, usually this part of the, the podcast, last last time it was how early can you put up a Christmas tree? And we were, we were all clearly um, assured of uh, Andy's wrongness on almost every point in that conversation today. Today, Andy, I've got a question for you. Okay. Is it a sin to pull my kids out of school to declare them sick in order to go see Star Wars? Now, I'm going to I'm going to go I'm going to go with no on this. Um and I'm going to use as a biblical example the Hebrew midwives that hid the babies from Pharaoh. Pharaoh was was murdering the first kids. Uh, they're the firstborn of the Hebrew slaves, and and the, the Hebrew handmaidens would lie to Pharaoh. Therefore, therefore, just with, with airtight logic, I now argue that it's justified to me to lie to the school district to go see Star Wars at 10 a.m. Uh, on, on a Friday when they have school. What say you? How old are your kids, first of all? I say... How, wait, I'm sorry. How old are your kids? My kids are a little over uh, uh, two and a half and 11 months. Okay. So um, you, this is not a pressing issue. Okay. So here, here's my, right, but here is my, okay. my response to oh, that. Oh boy. I believe that your decision to do this is the most spiritually enriching thing that you could do here. <laughs> Very much in which they, the same way that that uh, that the showbread was stolen. Yes, for, you know, for the sake of there's all kind of biblical for the sake for of this. of the enrichment in need. And yes. so, for you to say I need to spend time with them and take them yes. to Star Wars yes. because the public school system simply is not going to give them that no, enriching no, of an experience. Not. No, they're not. In so fact, I will completely validate that idea and not say it's not sin. Andy, I'm shocked that you would validate something I've said. Um. People are complaining that you agree with me too much, which, frankly, I love. 
Uh, personally, I want to be around people who disagree with me all the time. Um, cause I didn't marry one of those and I didn't have those for children and I don't have any of those for a regular conversation partners. So Andy, Andy's here to just agree, except <laughs> on the Christmas tree, Adele and Mighty Ducks issues. Yeah. And my weekend in solving, uh, definitely proved me wrong as they, uh, have a store dedicated to celebrating Christmas all year round. So you are not the only one in this, uh, in this mindset. When I moved from Ohio, the, out to California, I, the, the names of places here are, are like, I, I thought it was La Jolla, not La Jolla, <laughs> right? I thought, I mean, down near San Diego, La Jolla, that's what it's called right there. It's J-O-L-L-A, La Jolla. Nope. Nope. Solvang. What in the world? It's Danish. Oh. So it's a, it's a Danish town. So it's it was founded by the Danes really? in like 1930. Something okay based on some history. Okay, on a... so uh, we're gonna get no sparks of conversation from my Star Wars thing because the way I figured that was the first movie I saw, 1976. I was or 77. I was six years old. I remember going with my dad. My first movie theater was Star Wars. First, first movie theater experience. And I know you don't know what that's like, Andy. When were you born? 82. Yeah, you missed you missed, missed out on a lot. I think I missed seeing Star Wars. I, I think I saw. Lot. Yeah, I think I saw the first. My first Star Wars movie I saw in the theater. Well, no, I did actually see um, when they did like a THX release kind of in the 90s. They did do all theater playbacks yep, yep, of, the, of, the, of the four through six. So yep. I did see those not in the boy. theater, but not, not, not. No, no, I was there. Back. I was part of the original. Yeah. I mean, I had I, I mailed away for Star Wars figures. And I got, I got, and, and had, had I known they'd be worth billions of dollars now, you know, holy cow, I would have saved them. But I, I had the original Star Wars figures. You had to mail. I got them in the mail. And, and for our listeners under 30, the mail, it's, it's this apparatus <laughs> where pieces of paper and packages are delivered to you personally. But it, it's neither here nor there. So archaic. It is archaic, dog. <laughs> so, so, so nothing there. Um, Christmas is coming. Eries, Eries are getting ready, and uh, and we're going to decorate. The, the Christmas decorations are out. They're partially up, but um, because of your pressure against Christmas before Thanksgiving, they're not fully up, but they will be up uh, by the end of this week. They will be up. I'm making that commitment now. Again, the Vox podcast, fighting the significant cultural issues of our day. It is okay it is on. to lie to your school to take the kids to Star Wars. End of story. All right, Andy's got to go. We're going to wait for Bonnie. We're going to play some uh, some good uh, bridge music here for you. Andy, what, what are we going to play, do you think? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it in Just as long as it's not the Mighty Ducks no. thing, which no. was awful. No. Um, uh do you so you have to get licenses to play stuff on podcasts? Yeah. Is that what it is? So Pearl yeah. Jam is it? No, we have can't you, use have Pearl you written Jam. To them? I have written to them. them. No, I'll, I'll draft a letter. All right. I'll draft a letter. All right. So who knows what this next music will be, but uh, we're, we're going to say goodbye for now. Bonnie will join us. Andy has to go. Uh, he has a real job, and so he actually can't, can't sit around and just talk into a microphone all day, shockingly. Shocking. So um, we'll be back in just a moment. Thanks.
All right, we're back with Bonnie. Hello. Bonnie Lewis. Bonnie, you have to say hello, Internet. Hello, Internet. So this is my friend Bonnie. Bonnie, tell us, like, give us two minutes on who you are. We've been friends for a while. How old are you? I'm 31. 31. You're, I can't believe you just you're married. Is that, that? Why? That's a good... <laughs> is that... I thought it was weight you weren't supposed to ask. In, in which case, too. Bonnie's like, I don't know, I'm going to guess maybe 105 pounds. <laughs> Uh, okay so well, we won't ask for clarification on that Great. um so, uh and you're married married with a little boy named chip right we've been married almost eight years and let's see seminary trained where fuller in, seminary in in pasadena just at mat but then i specialized in um spiritual formation matt is not a um a technical title master of arts in theology yes. is what mat stands for Thank just you. to be clear Yep, and then specialize in spiritual formation. Yep. And we worked together at Rock Harbor yep. and also at EV Free. We did. We did. Bonnie is one of the most gifted teachers I've ever been around. We, um, it, it, was, it was so fun. When I was at a church called Rock Harbor in Costa Mesa, we had this class where we talked about teaching the Bible and what's that mean and what's that look like. And we invited people to send submissions in of their own teaching just to receive feedback or whatever. And by far and away, the best submission we got was from a 19-year-old young lady named Bonnie. And uh, and so she and I have been friends ever since. But I wanted to bring Bonnie on. We're going to take a break, as I said before, from uh, talking about sexuality. I want to talk about grief and loss and lament. Obviously, over the weekend, um, I watched in horror um, in real time on, on my Twitter feed about what was happening in Paris. Um, the school shooting after school shooting happening in the States. I mean, it's yeah. so commonplace now. I know. Um, and, and, and I've always felt that, that the church hasn't done um, a very good job equipping me or people in how to lament and grieve and, and process this sort of thing. So, so I wanted Bonnie to come and share a bit of her story. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, Bonnie has has experienced more than her share of 31 years of, of, of hardship. And so, Bonnie, whatever you want to share with us, uh, would love to hear it. But tell us just a little bit about what brought you to Jesus initially and then what led you to seminary and, and then what have been some of the bumps along the way. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I feel like I've been, for lack of a better phrase, a Christian for a large part of my life. But um when I went to high school and college, it sort of cemented, as usually does as we get older. And um, I just decided I wanted to know more. So I went to Chapman University for my undergrad. Go Pirates. Oh, Panthers. Panthers. <laughs> and um, Go Panthers. Go Panthers. And I don't even know. I think we had a football team. Okay. But you and I disagree on this. What? I don't even follow football. So we could have had the best football team. Wow. <laughs> Today someone said, Go Pats. I said, who are the Pats? Oh, Bonnie. Didn't get a clear answer. Bonnie. So, anyways. I'm shocked. Okay. You're <laughs> wonderful in so many ways. But it's also okay. so many flaws. Right. Well, um, just at least one. Also never seen Star Wars. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I just want I'm glad we have that out. Oh, now we're I'm re clear. I'm reconsidering this interview. <laughs> okay, go ahead. You're sad you brought me here. <laughs> so, um, and I got a world religion degree at Chapman. So I learned Whoa. a ton about all these different world religions, and I decided I needed to know more about my own. Nice. So I went on to seminary, and um, that was 
a great experience. It's a tough experience, as you know. When you're, I have a problem. I want to form convictions quickly, yeah, and deeply. So you're in something for nine weeks, and then you have to just move on, right? And the teacher doesn't really care if you aren't ready. You just are moving on, right? So it was a good practice for me to learn to um, live with not knowing all the answers. Whoa, that was good for me. Yeah. Um, but I would say it wasn't until a few years ago when sort of everything that could have gone wrong went wrong mm. that all of that stuff I had learned came into practice. So nice. we're living in, at the time we're living in orange and what happened was a pipe broke under our house Okay, and we didn't know this is what had happened until a few days later. So by the time they came to fix the pipe, it had leaked under our house and then mold started oh, growing up man. through the floor. So we got mold poisoning. We had no idea we had right. mold poisoning. You just were sick we're a just lot. sick. And we'd go to the uh, doctor and they check everything and nothing showing up. Yeah. So they sort of acted like I made it up. Oh, man. And um, finally, we kind of jumped ship because around that same time, my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer. Oh, man. Which, by the way, three years cancer free. Come on. She just had her last checkup. So hey, I love that's that. huge. Yeah. yeah. But so, you didn't know that then. I no, mean, that, didn't know. We have no idea what it's going to be like. World's ending. So we said, we're out of here. Yep. We're going to go be by my mom. Mostly, I felt like she was going to be fine. But mostly, we're obviously sick people. Yeah. And we need help because we don't yeah. have family here. So we left. And we get to Colorado and we're not sick anymore. And so we start piecing together different things. And we end up, my son starts having food allergies. And we end up going to a mold specialist. Mm. And they tell us, you've been poisoned by black mold. So we started on this trek of this two-year journey um, to detox. Yeah. And so now we don't eat anything, basically. <laughs> right. Um, but Hence 105 pounds. Yeah, there you go. So we don't eat much, but we eat well when we do. Um, <laughs> but in that two years and how the mold sort of surfaced is I got chronic inflammation. So I've yeah. been a runner forever. My intestines inflamed. Oh. They pushed up against my spine and I got two herniated discs. Um, it was super painful. Oh my goodness. They say a herniated disc will leave you like not moving for about a month. If okay. it's a three millimeter, mine okay. were eight and nine. Holy moly. So they're huge, but they didn't know what caused it. We oh, didn't man. know yet. That was why. Yeah. And around the same time I got pregnant with our second. And so I couldn't do much right. and they don't let you take anything. They give you Tylenol, which is basically like a right. cough drop right. for a herniated disc. So, oh, man. um, I was just in pain. So from that happened in October, October until June, I was basically paralyzed. I could walk oh, and kind of goodness. drag my leg, but that was it. And we were in a brand new city. Right. No friends. Right. We had my family, which was a saving grace. It was freezing, yeah. which I don't do it, very it well. Happens. So I'm cooped up inside and um, I can't move. And You're in massive pain. Massive pain. I literally ha didn't sleep through the night. Yeah. 12 Advil to a leave a day. Didn't even touch it. Oh, it was man. terrible. And in the middle of that, um, I checked myself into the ER because I felt like something was wrong. And it, we found out that our second um, was he had passed in the womb. So oh. I ended up delivering him as a stillborn. Oh, how so, far along were you? Um, halfway. So you're 20 weeks. Oh. So you're just at the point where um, you, you have a choice. You can labor and deliver or um, they can do some sort of operation. But it's not early on um, where your body sort of helps you pass it so right. we spent 36 right. hours in labor and we ended up oh. delivering him and we held him and um i'm grateful for the fact that we got a chance to parent him even though he 
wasn't, he never met us, right. even though we met him, which was, um, it was one of those things. You look back and you go, I'm grateful that the presence of the Holy Spirit was there to give me discernment because how am I supposed to make a decision right. in a time like this? Oh. I mean, you can't. No. Se- seminary, an MAT didn't really no. help you with this. No, I wasn't like, well, let me check back. I mean, you right. have a doctor standing there saying, we're so sorry. You have a choice to make. You can either deliver your baby yeah. or you can have a procedure done. And then after that, what do you want to do? Do you want right. to bury? Do you want to do a mass burial? Do you want to cremate? Do you want to... And oh, we're looking at her like, right. I need a minute. Right. right. If you can leave and come back, that would be great. Yeah. And she's like, I can give you an hour. Oh, my So goodness. you have about an hour. And so we sort of um, just made choices that we said, in five years, we'll be glad we did this. Okay. Even if it's painful now. Yeah. So that's what we decided to do. And um, and we did. And we ended up being able to hold him. And we, we met him and um, mm. spent time as much time as you can with him. And then we ended up, we chose to cremate him and we um, spread his ashes up at Red Rocks in Colorado. Yeah. Oh yeah. There. It was yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, um, and, and then in, in that hospital visit too, they messed up my epidural. So I got a third herniated disc. Oh boy. Goodness. So you leave the hospital and it, you're like, right. this, I can now move less than I could. Yeah. And I'm still in the same place I was. Yeah. And now we don't have our second child with yeah. us. So it was quite the journey. Oh, and, my um, goodness. It un- then from that was in February. So two years ago, February. And so it sort of unfolded into these months of what does this mean? Right. And like, honestly, what the hell happened? Right. Like we were just living. Swearing alert. I got yelled at for swearing. So oh, you just, no, no, that's all right. I um, sometimes that's all right. always hey. swear. Okay. <laughs> Good. Sorry. So swearing alert. Swearing alert. Yep. But I feel like if you if there's one time you can swear. It's then? It's right then. That's right. And, so, and so you're just recounting just the recounting swearing it. of then. I got it. <laughs> yeah. But um, because the truth is, is I really grew up and I, I don't know if I can pinpoint this, but with the knowledge of. If you do everything right, yes, everything right will happen to you. Yes. So I find myself deep in this hole oh in our family, yep. and we have a three-year-old at the time yep. who is stacking up toys saying, I'm going to take these to the baby and teach him how to do it in heaven. And I'm looking around going, yeah. what, did I, what did I do? Where right. did I go wrong? And right. so there was a deep sense um, of not only loss and grief and hurt yes. and chronic pain, and depression, but also shame. Yeah. Of what did somehow I? Somehow you messed it up. Somehow I messed it up. Somehow we took a wrong turn, and I screwed it up. And yep. this is my this is my punishment. Yes. So it's been um quite the journey. Yes. And oh, Bonnie. Yeah, we decided to move back here um because we wanted to um, find counseling. We wanted to get my back healed, yep. which it is a lot better now. I can walk around and move and do exercise like a normal person, but um. Yep. What's in it, what's interesting about that is that that took a lot of courage that I didn't know. The mm. the rhetoric that we got and what people told us was you just have to keep pressing through. Mm. You just have to get up. You just have to do this and you have to stay there and you have to stay in Denver even though you're not comfortable. You shouldn't move back. That's quitting. And I just said, you know what? Right. The best swearing thing. Swearing alert. I, I was going to give a swearing <laughs> alert right there. That was close. The best thing <laughs> is that like I'm not... I'm no longer going to define bravery and courage and strength by pressing on. Yes. I'm going to now define it by 
what does it look like to have a healthy attitude, to have okay. a healthy understanding of grief yeah. and live in spite of that yes. and live with that. So yes. that's sort of where we were when we moved back. Oh my goodness. So many, ago. so many things. First of all, thank you for sharing that. I, I've, um, I've walked with several people who've lost children, who've um, failed at infertility, mm-hmm. who have uh, um, given birth to children that weren't viable outside the womb. I mean, it, yeah. and, and they're, I, I don't know because, because uh, I'm a man, but I can't imagine a, a more painful set of scenarios than losing a child as a mom, yeah. carrying that child and then losing that child. Mm-hmm. And uh, not even knowing why um, exactly. Yeah. And so uh, I think, Bonnie, um, there are so many things that that I want to get at. One is the shame piece. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of you guys know if you've been listening uh, to me, um, we've gone through a a bit of a bit of hardship. Nothing like what you went through, but you can't compare. Hardship is still hardship. No matter what. Yeah, absolutely. And, And so we were through a string of you know, just depression, anxiety, deaths in our family, two special needs kids, a diagnosis with Down syndrome, which was one of our special needs kids. Um, and uh, and we've since helped when, when kids uh, or when families give birth to kids with Down syndrome, we're kind of the go-to folks now. Yeah. And the question always is, is, is God punishing us? Yeah. Is always. God punishing us? What did we do wrong? Mm-hmm. And, and I think it speaks to the fact that we've embraced a kind of Christianity that isn't of Jesus, mm-hmm. this causality, this formulaic sort of right. three steps to this or four principles for this. Yeah, absolutely. So speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think one thing that I had to learn was when people people would always say to me, what did you learn about God in this? What did you learn? Right. And I finally was like, or what did you learn about yourself? And I finally was like, <laughs> nothing. Right. Like swearing alert, but I just learned that happened. Whoa. And... That's fine, but that right. honestly, the only way this has changed my view about God is that now I understand that He comes alongside me in that. Yeah. But before that, I would totally agree. I think I really grew up in a culture and in a church culture um, that really said, you know, if you don't attend church every Sunday, right, or if you aren't involved in these specific things, or if right. you don't read your Bible thirty right. minutes, and it's like this weird formulaic thing. Yep then you're doing it wrong. Right. And so I will say this, in my studies at sem- in seminary at Fuller, I loved all my spiritual formation classes. So we studied a lot of stuff about different ways to read scripture right. or Christian meditation right. or um, Lectio Divina and solitude practices. And I really grabbed a hold of those and loved them. Yeah. I will say those were not accepted as regular practices and things that were, quote, good and holy to do. Right, right, right. So when I would do those things, because this is like how I learned to be still before God, and then all of this bad stuff happened, the line I always heard was, well... You heard that from other people or in your head? uh, Both. Really? Yes. Sort of like, well you were engaging in this. And so then for Jeez. me, because I'm, I can spiral, I thought, oh, of course it was because I, quote, right. did yoga last right. week. Or because I, and oh, I don't think goodness. that's absolutely false. Right. Um, but it's scary to me that um, we really do live in a church culture that says yes. you have to do this yes. certain formula or it's Even, not going to, quote, and, work. And, and the thing that's so absurd is that Jesus so clearly speaks against such simplistic understandings, right? I mean, on multiple occasions, the Pharisaic equation was simple. Mm -hmm. If if you had a deformity, 
your parents sinned or you sinned. Right. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, Jesus, exactly. Jesus never played into that. And John 9, not once, not once. does he play into that. Mm-hmm. And yet, there's uh, there's the industrial, the Christian industrial shame complex. Yeah. Yes. So it's not enough that you're suffering. It's like Job's friends. You've got a whole crew around you saying, "Well, you actually kind of missed it, and you deserve well, it." Well, and, and where, else. like, have you looked inward? Oh, and I'm Lord. like, no, I haven't. Right, <laughs> I'm not right, going to. Right. And I know, and that was tough. That was so we had to learn to honestly ignore it. Right. And say, I like because if I believe that to be true, right, then. The Jesus that I'm believing in in that moment is not the same Jesus of the Bible. It's just not. That's right. So I had to decide to say, I'm either going to go against the grain here. Right. Against like what Christian culture is telling me. But believe that like the Jesus I know is the first responder. Right. He shed the first tear. Right. And he was there and he's in the trenches and he's sitting with me. Yep. Or, okay, you're right. I actually serve a God (laughs) who's shaming me and who's laying all this on me so that I wake up. Right. Right. And, 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 and that's where, like lament, this is where we have such a thin understanding of lament and grief and loss and suffering. And, um, and my joke is always, you know, we are kind of a card casserole and cliche culture. Mm-hmm. So something bad happens and I'm a fan of casseroles, no question. So I would say so good. casseroles. Yummy. You wouldn't even know. You don't even know. Don't even pretend like you'd have a casserole of kale. You know what though? So I don't even, I don't even want to hear it. Secondly, or we or, and we give cards, and I love cards, believe me. And and but it's the cliche bit that drives yes. me nuts. And and so I I, I want to spend a bit of time recapturing a theology of lament. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that's been really helpful, and you'll recognize this typology, um, Brueggemann, well, got a theologian mm-hmm. named Walter Brueggemann, categorized the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Here's this incredible litany of emotion and protest and plea and celebration. Um, and he organized them into three different types of psalms. And they don't all fit. Right. But, but I found this really helpful. The, the first kind of psalm he, he calls, it's a psalm of orientation. Mm-hmm. It's a psalm that reflects the ordered universe, God's control over the universe. The, the, it's a settled faith. Things are good. It's a mm-hmm. sunny day. You're on the mountaintop. Right. And then he says there are psalms of disorientation. Disorientation psalms are the psalms that begin with God. Why are you so far away? Mm. Why have you not listened to me? Yeah. Why, why, why are you not taking action? And, and there are some brutal right. psalms that literally end. I mean, that end with no red bow, no pretty velvet, uh, good cliche. I mean, there's just right. nothing to them other than sorrow. Exactly. And, and they reflect not a settled faith. But a, but, a, but a life that's been turned upside down, mm-hmm. where the previous orientation is no longer sufficient mm-hmm. to handle your experience. Yep. So here you go. You're raised in a Christian culture. You go to seminary. And then life does this. And you're upside down. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so the, the, the disorientation psalms, um, their purpose is to give voice in those moments when things have fallen apart and, and, and God has seemingly turned his back. Mm-hmm. And then he says the last section of Psalms are um, reorientation. Orientation, disorientation, reorientation. Mm-hmm. And here's the, here's the thing, and this is what I love about you, Bonnie. Reorientation 
is again the celebration of God's goodness and fidelity, mm-hmm. but it's not going back yeah. to the old orientation. To what you first, it's, right? Exactly. It's it's the it's somebody who's traveled through disorientation, yeah. who has now taken suffering and pain and disappointment and grieving and loss, and factored that in to their declarations of the goodness of God. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Now, Brueggemann makes a a, a brilliant, brilliant point. Part of the reason why God allows disorientation is because it wars against the causalities that we so easily embrace as followers of God. Mm. In other words, if I pray uh, for my kids, they'll turn out fine. If I abstain before sex, I'll have nothing but sex after marriage. It'll be awesome. Right. If I give money to God, he will provide for me financially. Mm-hmm. All of the formulas, you had yours, I had mine. We were all kind of inherited. It's a simplistic way of looking at faith. If I do A and B, then God does C. C. Yeah. Right. So disorientation, the gift, the ancients would call this the dark night of the soul. The gift of disorientation, mm-hmm. if if you can find a gift in it, it, one of the gifts, because there are many, but one of the gifts is the it's actually destroying and dismantling right. the previously held algebraic formulas. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It really brings um, freedom. If you can fight if you can, yeah. through to reorientation. The problem mm-hmm. is that we have not equipped people to live in disorientation. No. We just try to rush them back to orientation. Yeah. So hence our cliches, right? <laughs> yes. Right? And yeah. the biggest cliche I've ever heard from people is, it, it, well, it just must be God's plan. It was, this is the way it was supposed to turn out. Right. You were, ne- that child was always supposed to die. Swearing alert, which is a <laughs> bunch of horse <laughs> Okay. It's absolutely true. In the Bible, it's there are awful. three things that are affirmed. Number one, that God is good. Mm-hmm. Number two, that evil is real and evil is evil. And number three, that God will bring good out of evil, but is never the author of it. Mm -hmm. So this, I mean, I remember my dad was withering away from bladder cancer and I'm watching him die. I'm watching my dad die. And and some folks come in and they're so well-meaning and they look at him and they just say, well, it must be God's plan. And I'm like, no, God's plan was Genesis 1 and 2. God's plan is Revelation 21 and 22. This is not God's this plan. This is not I mean, a part of it. What kind? I mean, how could Jesus, if this was all God's plan, then how can Jesus walk around saying, hey, when you pray, pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, if God's will were already being done on earth as it is in heaven. The right. supposition is it's not. Right. And when Jesus is engaging with demonic forces and, and, and disease and the powers and the principalities, I mean, he's not once is he saying, well, this is my, this is my father's will. Right. Not once. Right. It would be contradictory to war against it if it was his father's will. Absolutely. Oh, I get so fired up about that. That's good to get fired up. Well, because like what that's you the said. shame. It's the shame piece because so every, um, the other one you hear all the time is, well, everything happens for a reason. Right. You know, everything happens. And for a while, I bought into that. Can and I then, interrupt you? Yeah. Because we get that from mm-hmm. Romans 8. Right. Right. So Romans mm-hmm. 8 is uh, God will use, oh, what is it? God. <laughs> Romans 8, 28. God will. Uh, you go look it up. Dang it. I, Bonnie. Come on. I have that thing memorized. Evidently not. So I'm flipping through my Bible. All right, here we go. As we and we know that in all things God works for the good of right. those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. Right. So, time out. if you don't love Him, right, that's why 
he's not working for the good. Right. So obviously it doesn't matter. So now you you haven't done the formula right. Right. But also God sees through it and you don't love him enough. Right. Because so. something good isn't happening. Exactly. But here's where we miss it, Bonnie. Uh, we miss it. First of all, it says that God works for the good. He doesn't. It doesn't say right. that everything is good. Right. But do you ever hear that? No. No. Never. No. And then secondly, He defines what the good is, namely that we would be conformed to the image of His Son. Exactly. So, so I import good to mean middle class, comfort, security, and convenience. Yep. Right. Prosperity and blessing. Mm-hmm. But the good here is the good of Christ likeness. Yeah. Which I'm not as interested in. <laughs> Well, no, <laughs> not now. Right, because who wants to who who wants to learn love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self control? Right, I'm all for love and joy, and peace. I can do those, but the rest of those require suffering. Yeah, they do. And and, and there's a difference. Uh, a buddy of mine had had a great line. He said, "You know, I don't trust anybody until I can see where they limp." Yeah, and he gets that from from Genesis, where Jacob wrestles with an angel. And as part of the wrestling with the angel, his his hip is displaced. It's out of joint now, and he walks with a limp. That that you only tr- you only trust. His point is, you only trust people who've limped, who've wrestled, who are now walking with a limp, yeah. who've been through disorientation into mm-hmm. reorientation. Yeah, because that's where you're at. You can say, okay, two years ago February, and there's still sadness. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's not like you've moved on. No, and that's the point that has been huge for me what I want to make is that when we say everything happens for a reason or this was God's plan, what they what, what's trying to happen there is someone saying, I want you to look at it and then I want you to move on from that. And I want you to, right. quote, be yourself again. Right, right. And I want you to stop being sad about it. Yeah, move back to orientation. Move back to orientation. And the truth is, is what we're, what is a healthier, more biblical perspective is we don't learn to overcome these things. We don't learn to get over it. We learn to carry them with us. Yeah, that, that's ooh, exactly what we come need on. to do. We need to learn to carry that grief, sorrow, loss with yep. us. I mean, yep. there isn't a day my son has made it normal yeah. that we have a baby in heaven. So yep. he talks about that baby all the time. Oh, sweet chip. He is. But he, he's been the best example of carrying it with us. Yes. He doesn't pretend that it didn't happen. Yep. Or he doesn't pretend like he's not sad. But he says, we're going to carry this. This is part of our story. Right. And we're carrying this with us. See, and I think that's, if if Christian, if the Christian subculture or parts of it, um, shame, what that leads to is the fact that in, in Christianity, we're, especially in corporate expressions, um, we're called to pretend mm-hmm. that, that we don't allow messiness. You know, churches are polished and they're clean and we're all nice put together people and no one's coming in blubbering and with snot running down their nose because yeah. they're grieving. Right. No one's coming in as an addict saying, man, I'm dying. I'm 20 hours sober. I need help. Right. right? We all we all got to get put together. And I, I think that's so nasty because we literally all face disappointment. We're all carrying disappointment right now. If you're in your car, if you're at the gym, if you're wherever, you carry disappointment with you. And you're given only three options, right? So mm-hmm. our world says escape, yeah, or um, or uh, numb it, mm-hmm. right? So medicate it through alcohol or drugs or sex or porn or food or whatever, um, or escape. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah. The Christian option normally is pretend, because yeah. right, godly people aren't supposed to. X, Y, and Z, be disappointed with their marriages or be disappointed with the amount of money they're making or be disappointed they lost a kid. Or be disappointed, honestly, in in God. Right. That's not, it's not okay to go, gosh, I'm mad about this. Right. And I, 
Like, I feel like you weren't here. And, and, and you didn't come and yet, through. And yet the Bible, there's a whole book called Lamentations. Yeah. If you've never read it, go read it. Yeah. Go read that. Go read Habakkuk. And then read the Psalms and see how much permission is given. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between lament and complaining. Yes. And that's, that's a huge deal because... Uh, complaining is complaining at God or about God. It's it's like it's against this, God's character. Against God's character. Right. Lament is bringing your grief to God, mm-hmm. and it's God. Why aren't you? It's it's almost in the Bible. Lament is an expression of covenant faithfulness. Yeah. Because God, you're not keeping up your end of the bargain. Right. This right? is how it feels, and I'm this bringing how this feels. to you. That's right. In relationship. Mm-hmm. And and I absolutely love the permission we have. Uh, to do that, but that permission isn't given in all sections of Christianity. No. And, and so you've got, on the one hand, you've got escape and numb. On the other hand, you've got pretend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Jesus invites us to be alive and thirsty. Yeah. Like, stay thirsty, my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Jesus right. were the Dosecchi's man. Um, <laughs> there, there's, a, there's a sense in which... He, there's a sense in which Jesus says, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Be alive. Let let the disappointment lead you, keep you hungry, keep you thirsty, keep you not happy with the status quo and hungering for the things of the kingdom right. of God. But we don't know how to do that. And that's where the the, the art of lament yeah. comes in. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about lament because, because and Bonnie, you preached on this. Mm-hmm. And if you free this, this incredible passage where Jesus in John 11 um, his friend Lazarus dies. Yep. He delays purposefully four days because mm-hmm. in Jewish belief, the spirit left uh, in four days. Four days, we knew you were truly dead. You weren't mm-hmm. coming back. Right, yeah. So Jesus delays, shows up, and then why don't you fill in the rest of the details of the story? Yeah, well, I love the in the Greek that, like, if you can picture, so if someone's telling the story, I don't have to, you know this, but someone's telling the story and they're talking quickly and probably in a village setting so they're talking loud and fast so they're going to get through the story as fast as they can so everyone can hear everything and then ask questions or whatever later so normally they have in the middle of the story it says jesus wept he goes and finds lazarus and says jesus wept my favorite memory verse ever yeah i can (laughs) remember that romans 8 28 i got nothing but jesus Jesus wept wept, i got on it audit um and i love that because that seems for us like, that's a weird place to put punctuation. In the original Greek, the punctuation's there. And oh. when that happens, my good friend David, who's amazing, has a church down, um, I'll put it on my Facebook, but he has yep. a church down in um, San Clemente that's awesome, but, or in San Juan Capistrano. But he he's also, um, like, he does a bunch of stuff with literature and rhetoric. He has his PhD. Mm. And, and he was telling me, he said, you know, what happens here is that when you see a punctuation like that, it's put because they want you to pause. So he's saying all the stuff in the market super fast, super loud. And he says, and then Jesus wept, period. And yeah. he stops and he stops talking. So then there would have been silence. As they're repeating the story. Yeah. And the point that they do this, why they do that is because they have to repeat a story in such a way that gives the emotion and actually what happened. And yeah. so the idea is that Jesus weeps and he pauses. There's a break. There's mm. a literal break in the story and he takes time and space there. Then he goes back and he ends up raising Lazarus from the dead. And you and I know he knew that was going to happen, That's but right. he still takes time in the middle. That's right. To pause. That's and, you right. know, he does that. I love that because he pauses and takes time to grieve and to lament, even in the face of a resurrection right now. That's huge. That is huge. Knowing the end of the story mm-hmm. is not incompatible with grieving in the midst of it. In the middle of it. Exactly. Right. It's not contradictory. Mm-hmm. That's huge. People often say, 
well, you know that you'll meet your baby in heaven. So right. you don't have to <laughs> right, grieve right, now. And right. and I want to say, no, 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 these aren't black and white. And right. it's totally, and the other thing I always got was why, you know, we are, I was really struggling with depression and it was, oh, so you've totally fallen away from Christ. Oh, like, I want to make it clear I got that, one. that you can be depressed. You can yep. be anxious. You can be right. struggling. You can be grieving yep. and still totally and completely believe in God. Come on. I know. It's These aren't so, black and white issues. Right. And that's what Jesus does. Yeah. He says, I know he's going to come back to life, but I'm taking space and time right. to grieve and lament right yep. here. Yep. Holy cow. All right. Well, Bonnie, um, I want to do this. I want to uh, I want to hit pause here, and then I want to do a part two. Great. And um, so, so here's the deal. Uh, there's so much good stuff that uh, we've yet to explore. Uh, Bonnie um, uh, is just a dear, dear friend. I believe so much in her ministry. She is starting a podcast, correct? Yep. yep. And it is called? Find the Blue. Find the Blue. Mm-hmm. B-L-U-E. Yep. And that's also going to be a website. Yep. It'll be up this week. This week. By the end of the week. Yeah. And um, and also, uh, you're going to be, you're on Facebook. Yeah. And just so, Find the Blue. So, okay. So, Find the Blue. Tell us just a little bit about what? what you hope to do and what you're talking about through that. Yeah. So because podcasting, as you know, it's, it's the next big thing. It I mean, is. Here we are. We're already in the middle of it. Yes. I've always said you were ahead of the game. Yeah. Always. Which I want everyone to know Mike's not first time. Maybe I've ever seen him not in black and khaki. That's right. Navy blue and black. I'm a house husband. <laughs> So, so you're, you you're lucky. You're lucky. I, I wore any. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. No. Yes, yes, but I did. You don't have put, to dress up in your uniform. No, no uniform today. No. Um. Yeah. So find the blue. Uh, my therapist is amazing, and yep. one of the things she says is we live on this sort of life trajectory of picture an infinity symbol. Half of it's blue, half of it's red. The red would be the hard stuff. The blue is the good stuff. She's like, our problem is that we think we should always be in the blue, right? And when we're not, all we want to do is get back, get back to the blue. Um, but the real point, and this is what we're going to be talking about and writing about, is that we are often in the red. Our job isn't to get back to blue, to back to orientation. Right. Our job instead is to find areas of strength, of reorientation, of yep. blue, yep. that can help us carry the red with grace and courage. I love that. So, yeah. So so it's not one or the other. And no, that's the huge thing. It's is not that one I'm or the either, other. either life is falling apart or it's amazing. And what you realize is it's both. It's both. At and the same time. And you're constantly ebbing and flowing. That's right. And picking up pieces and taking it with you. That's yeah. right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. All right. So uh, Voxers, just so, so, uh, literally so excited, so humbled uh, to be a part of your journey. It, it's, this is, this whole experience has been beyond anything I would have ever imagined. You've got a great um, tribe. Uh, it it I is. Love it. Oh my goodness! And yeah. the questions we're getting, and man, I don't even I don't even know what to do with them all. But uh, so thank you, thank you for being engaged, and thank you for wanting uh, to engage around these issues. So uh, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Mike Erie, uh, M I K E E R R E. You uh, thank you for those of you that like uh, and subscribe to the podcast and leave feedback. That is super helpful. Pray for the person that left a uh, one star. Uh, I want that person <laughs> There's to come always to Jesus. One. Always one. So uh, let me bless you um, with, the, with the blessing that God gave the priests to say over the people is the one I say over my children uh, often. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Amen and amen. Until next time. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to Vox, the Mike Erie podcast. Be sure to like Mike on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash official Mike Erie. Follow Mike on Twitter and Periscope at Mike Erie for live interaction and ongoing Q&A. Don't forget to visit subversivekingdom.com for further engagement and information about Mike.